Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 347, and today we're going to dive into another hot seat, and I've invited on my good friend, Mr. Chris Schaefer. What is going on, my friend? Not too much, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. The birds are chirping. The sun is shining. So, yeah, life is pretty good over here in South Carolina. And uh, you and I started this, and uh, we had to do a retake just because I wasn't making any, any sense. There so. were just words. There were just words coming out. <laughs> they weren't. In, it, they weren't in sentences. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know what I was thinking. I don't think the coffee had um, had registered yet in my in my brain. Uh, but I, I'm feeling good now. I'm feeling good. But I, I'm I'm excited because you and I like to do these every now and then. We've also done them at our live events, and uh, I think a lot of people get uh, get value from these as far as like us being able to kind of dig into someone's issues or questions. And a lot of times these happen from questions that I get through email. And a lot of times there's just a lot of questions and I'm like, you know, I think it'd be easier if I just jumped on and answered these like on a podcast and maybe invited you on and we can kind of dig into it. And that's kind of how this one happened as well. Um, This one here is going to be about someone just launching a product about three weeks in getting some slow sales in the beginning, which is normal. And, um, basically saying that pay-per-click isn't working. So, Chris, we're going to dive into that today. How does that sound? Let's do it. You you want to jump right in or did you uh, want to Let's just let's just jump right in, man. I was going to say, did you want to say how your morning's going? <laughs> my morning my morning is going fantastic. I started the day off right. You know, I That's got, good. got my water, I have my bone broth, and I'm talking <laughs> to you first thing in the morning. So, you know, it's it's just it's going to be one of those days, I think. You think it's going to be a good day? We started off in the right direction. Let's see if we can help out our friend Alex here and get things pointed correctly for him. And if we can square him away, that means the rest of our day is going to go well as well. Yeah, cool. Now, do you have do you have his email up in front of you and um, in the uh, the screenshots that he sent us just so we're prepared? I do. Okay. All right. I'm going to go ahead and read the very first email quickly, and then I'll have you read the part about the pay-per-click and stuff. Um, so basically it says, Hey Scott, I've been, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time now and finally took action. As you say, my product was delivered to Amazon about three weeks ago. And so far sales don't look good. I'm having only around one sale daily, unless I spend loads of money on pay-per-click. Would you care to take a quick look at my listing? And maybe you'll see something wrong right off the bat. I don't want to take a lot of your time, just a quick glance. And he just goes on to say that it'd be awesome if I could just take a look at it. And I don't, I don't do this all the time. I got to be honest. I get a lot of people that request this, but I said, you know what? Let's just go ahead and, and see what's going on here really quickly. I'll just take a quick peek. And, um, and immediately, um, I did see some things that I, I think is going to be worth, um, addressing here that will be a, you know, a value to everyone listening and to Alex. Um, but, um, you know, the very first thing that I want to say is like when you first launch a product, you can't expect out of the gate to get regular sales unless you've done some type of promotion, some type of push, um, BSR like boost, whatever you want to call it. Like you have to get some traction. Um, I've had people email me and they're like, Scott, I just launched. I've optimized my listing and I turned on pay-per-click and I'm not getting any sales. So it's kind of like the guy that just opened up his brick and mortar business and just said, I'm open and kind of maybe even mentioned it outside the, you know, the front door. Hey, I just want to let everyone I'm, I'm here. 
right? It doesn't work that way. You know, they're investing a lot of times a grand opening of some kind, maybe newspaper, um, you know, ads, or maybe something mentioned on the radio, or maybe something mentioned on a local TV network or something to get attention. Banks do it all the time. Free hot dogs and whatever for the kids and bouncy bounces and all this stuff to get people coming in the door to let you to let people know that you're there and that you're open for business. So I, I just want that to be kind of thrown out there right from the get go because if if you just think you're going to launch a lot of times it's not going to work that way. Now sometimes you can do that because maybe you don't have a ton of competition and and um, there isn't a lot of listings currently that could happen. But very, very rarely. What, what's your thoughts on that, Chris? Right. It's going to work. And, and let's go back to the brick and mortar example. If you uh, are a frozen yogurt shop and you get put right next to a gym in the shopping center, you might not have to do that grand opening, right? Because everybody just burned off all those calories. Now they want them back. But True. if you're next to a haircut place, you're going to have to do that grand opening. And a lot of people, because they're not as particular about product selection as somebody like, say, Dom who looks mm-hmm. for products where he can launch without doing anything other than a little bit of PPC mm-hmm. are going to launch a little bit more of a competitor competitive product. And if you have like any convertive com- convertive, yeah, that's a word competitive <laughs> hurdles to get over, then you're going to need to do some of that, you know, crazy inflatable arm waving two man promotion. You have to do a little bit of work up front to really get that, that traffic flowing. And PPC is one of those ways to do that. And it sounds like Alex has, you know, kind of figured that out and that he he knows PPC is going to be important, but it's not something that it seems like he's figured out at this point. Yeah. And again, I mean, you and I took uh, his listing and then we started to kind of look at like, what are the keywords that he's targeting? Um, are those keywords, if we look at those keywords or those search terms, are they getting traffic? Are they in demand and do they have depth and, and all of that stuff? Because I think that's the very first question. Like, okay, you might have your listing optimized. You might have even pay-per-click running, but if there's no traffic, ain't going to be any sales. So um, that's the very first thing that we looked at. Let's kind of go through what we discovered like within the first five minutes. Um, I don't know if you want to start with that and then I can kind of dig in uh, as far as like when you looked at the listing for the very first time, you looked at the title, uh, you looked at the images, which we'll talk about that later, but like the very first thing like is he targeting correctly? I honestly, from, from the context that you and I have from his emails, I don't think so. I think, and you, you've immediately said images. And the first thing that I looked at was the title. And I said, that's not what I would call this. Mm. And you said the images don't show me anything. Right. And those are Mm. kind of the two things that, that we always address in these hot seats. Um, but the title to me is kind of the thing that stands out immediately the images depending on what we end up making the title will have to change differently does that make sense yeah yeah um, totally and it it seems to me alex that you're going for a like one size fits all generic title and i think that's actually a bad thing in this case do you agree with that scott a hundred percent and i said that to you i said like i'm not really quite sure if this thing is for, you know, the 10 things that you have listed here, it's kind of like the one thing that could do 10, you know, the one item that can do 10 different things. And I think that's fine if you want to mention that in like your bullets or even show a picture of it being used, but, you know, in, in different contexts. But I think you have to have a clear, uh, a clear message 
to who's looking for this thing. Because if I land on this product, I want to know it's for me. Right. And, and it doesn't seem like, and we always talk about like how to differentiate yourself. You can take a product that could be used in 10 different areas, but if you can specifically say it's, it's designed to work for this, well, then you're going to stand out right there alone because now you're saying that yours is built for this one thing. So I would find the one thing that is really getting the traffic and really getting like sales and people are searching for, and I would start to tailor it towards that or find even maybe it's not the top, maybe it's the middle and it's still getting 300 plus sales. Maybe you're not trying to go after the most, you know, competitive, uh, you know, uh, keywords and search terms. Maybe you're going to try to find the low-hanging fruit by going after something that's not as competitive but still has steady sales and depth and demand. Um, this way here, again, when someone lands on it, they say, oh, this is exactly what I was looking for versus, oh, I guess this kind of works. It's like a universal remote, right? It's like it, it's a universal thing. Um, we don't want universal in this case. In this case, I would say he would be better off finding something, which we already kind of pointed that out, you know, when you and I looked at it, like totally, um, you could, you could definitely tailor this towards probably three or four different things, but I would find one and then go with that. What's your thoughts on that, Chris? And I agree with that completely. I think, uh, the challenge that Alex faces is using something like the Danielle Fritz test, right? Which mm you and I have talked about, uh, on some Facebook lives, which is basically she walks around her warehouse and asks her employees, what do you call this thing? Mm. Um, and I think by not doing that, he went the broad route and said, well, I can appeal to everybody. And while that may work in the case of, and I'm just going to go with the universal remote example, the Logitech harmony, which is a fantastic universal remote, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not going to work in the case of like the, the radio shack one where you have to like push the button and like type in the codes and all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, in his case, I think he's more of like that radio shack type of remote. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. it's not something that is really one size fits all. It fits one of two really specific applications. And I think he needs to either pick one and focus the listing on that or maybe do, you know, one of Dom's suggestions and like relaunch one the other way. Mm. Um, and position one for each product and just scrolling down, you'll see, uh, what, what did customers buy after viewing this item is actually available on his listing. It's not on every listing on Amazon, but you'll see that occasionally. And Scott, I said, I would call this thing X and mm -hmm. looking at this, the, the items that people view or buy after they view his item is the other way to refer to it. Mm, okay. Um, and it's, okay. it's the number one thing, you know, it's the one thing is something. And if you look at the title of that, it is very specific to what the product is being used for. Yeah. I think that's great to actually do exactly what you said, right? Like even if it wasn't on his listing, if it was on someone else's listing and he was targeting that particular item, you know, geared towards that market or that search then the other thing that you could do is you could look down below like you just did there and see, you know, frequently bought together or, you know, like getting ideas of like, you know, other suggestions, you know, people who, who view this also view this, like that's ways for you to start to understand that. But the other thing that you could do, and we always talk about this as far as like how to find other keywords that you might be missing or the, that might not be, uh, you might not be aware of. The other way to do it is to use a tool like Scope where you would go on that listing, um, your competitor that you're thinking of, and then just pull those search 
uh, or those keywords um, or search terms that are basically being found by that listing. And then you might identify something that's getting sales for this one listing uh, in this one product that you weren't aware of. And then maybe you can start to custom tailor it towards that. Um, so that's something that I would recommend doing. Um, and then also to help you optimize it further in the back end and stuff. But right now we're just looking at the front of this thing and we're, we're not even like saying like, okay, how do we fully optimize the back end of this? But how do we, we, we have to have the messaging, right? I think that's key. And we're going to get into a little bit of pay-per-click stuff here because he gave us some numbers there and he's kind of feeling like it's not working. Why isn't it working? And there's some, we have some thoughts there as well, but Again, if you're running pay-per-click or any type of even just organic traffic and people are finding you, if it's not, if it's not messaged properly, if it's, if the, I, I guess if the targeting isn't done correctly, your conversions will be lower. It's, it's that simple. Like, you know, if I'm selling a garlic press, but I know that people search for, um, I don't know, I'm just going to kind of throw something out there, but let's just say, garlic um, crusher. Yeah. A garlic crusher. That may, that may work, but if, if I, if I'm like, well, you know what gets a ton of traffic is, um, a garlic, uh, not, not even a garlic, maybe it's a, a, a shovel of some kind for gardening, but yet it has to do with, you know, something like that. And I'm like, it gets a ton of traffic. If I can get in front of those people, I might be able to sell my garlic press. The thing is, is yes, you're going to maybe get in front of eyeballs, but those eyeballs don't really need a garlic press. They need a shovel to uh, garden outside or something like that. Um, does that make sense? Or was that a terrible example? Now I'm just thinking about shovelfuls of garlic and that makes me hungry. Uh, no, I, I think it does. And Scott, what you're getting at there is you don't, again, you don't want to be generic. You want to mm. call out to your audience. And you did an episode a while back with one of my good friends, uh, Joel. And I, do you happen to know that number off the top of your ah, head? I'm just going to put you on the spot. Yeah. You just um, terribly put me on the spot there. <laughs> we'll, we'll find that and we'll link that up in the show notes guys. And you guys talked a lot about this, right? You have to talk directly to your customer. And you can do that through text and you can do that through images and you need to do that through both in order to maximize your conversions. Mm. Right. And when you're generic, you will appeal to some people who understand that it is the same thing. Mm. But most people are looking for that instant connection. They want to see the image and know what it is. And if they can't make the connection between your image and the title, they're not going to click or they're going to click and they're not going to buy. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. It's again, it's that message, right? It's, or it's the targeting, um, you know, everyone wants to, it's kind of going back to the Google days of like, okay, I want to rank my website and you can rank your website for all of these random keywords that might not even be related, but you're getting traffic and you might get a small percentage. Like you might get 1% of people that might be interested, but it's just, it's bad. It's bad traffic, right? It's just like, it's not targeted. Like it's the same thing here. We want to be targeted because then it also makes our conversion better. And if our conversion is better then our pay-per-click numbers go down and, uh, you know, we have better costs and, and all of that stuff. And, uh, we get, reach better, you know, all, all of those things start to happen. And I think a lot of what Alex is, is struggling with right now is due to, uh, you know, poor messaging and poor targeting. Um, that's what I think right off, you know, right off the bat. That's the first thing that I would look at. Now let's address the images really quickly. Um, the images, number one, don't really tell me exactly what it's used for. We already kind of mentioned that. But the, the images, to me, do not look professional. No offense, Alex, but they do not look professional. I would not see that image in a catalog of Best Buy or, you know, I don't know, Home 
kitchen gardens or whatever magazine. Like I would not see like that in there. It looks really, really almost cookie cuttered in a cuttered cutter. Cut. Cutter, cookie cutter. <laughs> Man, I'm really having a tough time here today. Also, Chris. also, let's go back and address <laughs> Home Kitchens magazine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a nice one, not, isn't not it? Not Home and Garden. Home and Garden, I think, is something is what you were going for. <laughs> yeah, I was. We'll go with Home Home Kitchens magazine. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. That's that's kind of the thing, and his primary image here, at least on the the one variation that I'm looking at, kind of contradicts what the product is supposed to be. Mm. Uh, and and you know, and Alex, you'll kind of get what we're talking about, but everybody else won't because they're not looking at what we're looking at. But Scott, I see it along the left hand side of the image here. That kind of throws me off mm-hmm. because it's supposed to be used, you know, to take care of a problem, and the problem is still in the image. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, we'll just move on. But you know. Yeah, I mean, the images and actually, Scott, the supporting images, I think, are better than the primary Mm. image, Uh, like images three, four and five, I think are okay, or four, five and six, I guess, look a little better. They're more lifestyle, but the the images of the product by itself, not in the lifestyle setting, I think, are are lacking. Yes. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I agree. but I just think that the images and I'm, you know, I talked to, um, you know, Jared on a, on a, you know, past episode as well. And I mean, he spends a lot of time and a lot of, well, not even a ton of money, really. If you break it down, he does like six photo or six uh, products into one session, which it might be an eight hour session. And it costs him like 1500 bucks, but he's getting six products done and they have, you know, models come in. They, they might even like, you know, rent a kitchen for the day or, uh, you know, or whatever, right. Or a a certain room, like, you know, they're going to spend and invest in those images because they are going to give you their perceived value in that product. And if I seen that image alongside of some of the other ones that we're seeing when you go and look for these, you know, it's, it's just clearly amateur versus, you know, professional. Um, so that would be one expense I would definitely, um, invest in. I, I would definitely do that. I think that it's well worth the money and the time to have killer images. Um, I, I truly do. And I know I'm going to get the question, well, where do you get them done? Um, you know, Jared he talks about, he, he hired a local photographer in his area and now because he's got that connection, that's where he goes every single time, you know, and he just waits till he has two or three or four, maybe even six products that he's going to do. And he does them all. And he has a lot of skews, a lot of, um, variations. So that's why he might have one product, but then maybe, you know, three variations of each or something like that. But I definitely think the images need to be uh, enhanced here. I think they need to be better. I think, uh, you need to take a little bit of time and do that. And then I think the messaging and the targeting needs to be, um, dialed in. I think those are two things right off the bat that I would do. Um, what else, Chris? Yeah. And just to, to go back to the targeting for a minute, you mentioned a couple ways and, and I'll segue this in, into where we're going. You mentioned a couple of ways that he can kind of drill that down. The first thing that I would suggest is to take a look again at, you know, basically pretend you're doing product research again on this market, see which keywords generate the most sales and the most consistent sales. Uh, so take a look at that jungle scout screenshot, you know, type in the main keywords in your, in your niche 
and take a look at those Jungle Scout screenshots. See not only which ones have the most, you know, gross sales, but which ones seem to bring up the the most consistent results, right? So the guy in the number one spot is selling the most. The guy in the number two spot is selling like the second most, right? Mm -hmm. If you see mm -hmm. those results all jumbled around, a lot of times that tells you that that's not the main way that people are describing that product. Does that make sense, Scott? Yeah, that makes total sense. And I'm gl I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's so important. Like if you're not seeing them in sequential order. Um, when you search for that keyword, it means that, like Chris said, there's they're probably having other keywords that are bringing the sales. Um, so that's definitely something to look at and to be aware of. Um, all right. I know I want to keep this at our 30 minute mark because this is kind of like our live hot seats that we do at our live events, which I probably should bring up. I should have brought that up in the beginning of the episode, Chris, but I got so I got so excited to jump in here and start digging in. But um, you and I are going to be doing a uh, live workshop um, in, uh, in, in the near future, actually. And depending on when this airs and when you are listening to this, if you're listening to this six months later than after it airs, then well, it's probably not going to be happening, but we are doing other live events. So if you want more information about one of our live events, whether, where we do hot seats or we do uh, critiquing, or we do actual workshopping where we uh, sit down and help you build like a, an email list and, uh, and, and all of that stuff. That's actually what, what we're going to be teaching here coming up. Um, head over to the amazing forward slash live. And you can see all of the, uh, all of the past live, uh, events that we've done and the workshops and all of that stuff. And any information will be there. So if you're interested in hanging out with us at a live event, definitely go to the amazing forward slash live. And you can get all the details there. I'm excited about the one coming up, Chris, because that's going to be more of a hands-on, let's kind of build your email list and uh, and and get that thing uh, ready to rock and roll as soon as we leave that day. So I'm excited about that. That one's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I have yeah. a feeling. You know, we, we always have a lot of fun when we get together, but that one specifically, I think, is going to be a, a really interesting experience for us. So Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'm 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 excited. It's going to be in North Carolina, which is my home or my, you know, my neck of the woods. Uh, so that that's going to be that's going to be kind of fun. But um, all right. So let's go ahead now and transition to the second part of this, because I knew that we were going to eventually go here because, well, it was something that we were going to bring up, but he already gave us more information. So can you read what he's been doing with uh, sponsor product ads, pay-per-click. Can you read Absolutely. what he had, uh, had wrote here to us? And then we can kind of break it down, give some advice, and then we can wrap this up. So Alex said, you know, I started PPC right away with an automatic campaign. I put a $5 bid and a $20 budget. So he's going the Dom Sugar route of yeah. just get me the data, baby. Yep. Yep. That's uh, aggressive. Said, I, yep. I gradually increased the budget for several days. I was getting two to four sales a day, but the ACOS was bad. Guys, your first few days running PPC, even your first few weeks, you can expect the ACOS to be bad. Uh, then he says, I increased daily budget dramatically to $150 and then 200 the next day. I was having seven to eight sales a day, but again, the ACOS was terrible. So Anytime you scale a budget like that, if you already have a bad ACOS, yes, you're going to sell more because you're going to show up for more stuff for longer times in the day, but it's also going to spend on the things that you don't necessarily want to spend on. So mm -hmm. scaling your budget with a bad ACOS is, is going to tend to result in that, guys. Uh, he said, I cut the, the bid back to 204 and the budget back to 150. The ACOS seemed to get a little bit better, but it was still over 100%. I decided it was time to stop losing money and I had enough impressions and clicks accumulated for some stats. Many keywords from the auto campaign were showing up as well. I changed the bid on my auto campaign to 76 cents and transferred all relevant keywords to a manual campaign inside of Ignite. 
My daily spend fell to $10 and ACOS is now closer to 24%. I included all sales to calculate ACOS for now, uh, but I'm getting one sale a day. And actually Amazon doesn't show these sales in campaign manager. So they're probably organic, which means my PPC isn't bringing me any, if many, if any sales. I'm attaching a few screenshots of my PPC spend. So it sounds like he started to do some things yep. um, to start to refine that PPC. But the thing that you guys need to keep in mind is the sponsored product ads up front are almost always going to perform not as well or poorly uh, compared to how they will over time, mm. especially if you start off with something like the automatic campaign. And Scott, you and I used to suggest that and we, we've since found a little bit of a better way to do that. Uh, you can get some results a little faster by spending a little bit less money, actually. Uh, and if you guys want to find out a lot more about that, you can go to theamazingseller.com slash PPC. And we have like six hours worth of content there, I think, that you can you can kind of yeah. dive through. Um, so we won't, won't dive into all the nitty gritty details on uh, those things right now. But the biggest thing for me is he uses the the term keywords. And that always sticks out to me because in PPC, we want to make sure that we're optimizing for search terms not for keywords. Why don't you we talk always, about that really quickly though? Just, just, you know, for people that are just tuning in, they haven't been through any of the pay-per-click training that we've done. Um, keyword versus search term. What, what does that mean? Keywords. We like to think of those as seeds, right? Scott, we're yes. telling Amazon, we might, you know, this might be something that works for us. Yep. And when Amazon starts to run your ad, they run it on what's called a search term, which is what the customer is actually typing in. The mm -hmm. keyword triggers it to show up. The mm -hmm. search term is what the customer is typing in. I don't care why it shows up. I just care that it shows up. Does that make exactly. sense? Yeah, yeah. And no, so the search important. term is what we need to be optimizing for. So Alex, make sure you're optimizing for the search term and not for the keyword just to kind of get started. The other thing that I would do is, you know, you mentioned you moved some things around. Um, you know, he moved, I think he said he moved the manual, the keywords from the, the auto to the manual. Um, but he didn't mention what match type he's using. Mm -hmm. So this is the other thing. You have three different match types in PPC. You have broad, which basically means it'll run for anything that ever contains any of those words, right? You have phrase, which is whatever words back to back. And then you have exact, which is only exactly what you typed in. Does that make sense as yeah. kind of a high level yep. overview? Yep. When you start to see things that are working, Amazon kind of by default, especially in that auto campaign is going to run everything as broad. So mm -hmm. you want to refine that down and use it as phrase or exact once you've seen things that are starting to work. But it's going to be a little while before you do that. I just want to let people right. to understand that. Like, you know, yes, he's got some some data, um, which is great. But a lot of times people think they have enough data and they really don't. Um, and what we mean is like they don't have enough impressions or they don't have enough clicks or they don't have enough sales. Um, the one thing that I want to bring up, and I, I think it's going to kind of come back to what we were talking about before, but like, I would love to see how this would convert if our images were better and if our targeting was better, because I think you could instantly see a difference just by improving those two things, even with your pay-per-click. I think the pay-per-click didn't perform well because yes, you might've got impressions. Yes, you might've got clicks, but you didn't get those sales. And that could be because the images, when they got there, they were like, uh, don't know. Like, it doesn't look like, it looks like maybe something that I was going to buy on like eBay, 
You know what I mean? Like it, it just doesn't look that quality and that perceived value that I would think. Um, so that would be one thing because in the thumbnail, you might not be able to tell, but once you get into the listing and you see that full size image, and then if you have your images that are big enough, which I think his are that you can do a rollover and you can see the, the quality. Yeah, it's just, they might back out. It's kind of, we call that abandoned cart, right? It's like, they're going to go in, they're going to be ready. And then they're like, eh, I don't think so. Right. Um, you know, that's my thought. So with all this being said, like everything you said, like, yes, we have to refine this. We have to get the data, all that stuff. But if we were to improve the front end of this, we'd probably see better results with our ACOS and our, you know, data on the other end. And that's kind of exactly where I was going with the PPC conversation. Like, okay, he's clearly spending the money, which means he's getting the clicks. Yep. So, and, and you, Scott, you and I have gone through this in the past. There's three like sticking points in PPC. The first is, am I getting impressions? Yep. If you're not getting impressions, you need to raise your bid. He's clearly getting impressions because he's also getting sticking point number two, which is clicks, right? Yep. Am I getting impressions? Am I getting clicks? And then the third one is, am I getting sales? So he's getting lots of clicks. He's getting lots of impressions, but he's not getting any sales. So it's a listing optimization issue. It's the same thing we see on the organic side. So the other way that you can use this data, Alex, is the same way that we were talking about looking at their, your competitors, scrolling down on that listing and looking at the people who didn't buy this thing after looking at it, but bought this one, which is on both of your listings. Um, you can use PPC data exactly the same way. What are your customers calling this thing? And by calling this thing, they're clicking on it in an ad. So what are the search terms that they're using when they're describing this? Are they describing it differently mm. than how you're describing it? Because that connection, and I mentioned this earlier, the connection between the image and the title and the expectation of your potential customer is what creates that conversion. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it, if your customer goes, ooh, that's the thing that I want based on the image, and then they get to the listing and they see that it's a garlic shovel and not a garlic press, they're, even, even though it might be a shovel that also presses garlic, right? Right. They lose that connection in their mind and they're going to abandon the cart and look for something that more closely meets their expectations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have to make it very obvious that it is the thing that they're looking for. And by yeah. using the customer search terms data, you can start to understand that. You can reshoot your images to set that expectation. You can redraft your title and your bullets to, to match that expectation. And you're going to see conversions increase by all of those things. You're gonna see your PPC perform better, but you're also gonna see better organic sales because you're gonna show up for the most relevant search terms on Amazon, on the organic side. And when people click through to your listing, they're actually going to then purchase, which creates, you know, relevancy in the eyes of Amazon, which moves you up that organic search rank and makes everybody happy because it creates more sales. Yeah, no, it's it makes it makes total sense. And like this is pretty clear as far as like what we've seen and now kind of going through and digging through everything. Now, it doesn't mean it's a sure thing, but there's definitely, definitely room for improvement here all the way around. Um, and I don't think that the product is the issue. I don't think it's a bad product. It looks like good quality. It looks, you know, it looks nice. It's just it doesn't look, um, you know, as far as the images, they don't look polished. And the, the messaging is off. And like Chris said, if, if you took uh, some of those search terms that people are actu actually searching for 
and then you started to tailor your messaging towards those, well, now you can really start to drive traffic using those, and then from there, you're going to naturally have better conversions, which then will also help you rank, and it just starts to kind of take on a life of its own, and that's that's the, the big thing that I just want to, you know, people to take away, not just Alex here, but anyone, is that there's usually reasons why something isn't moving. Now, there's a lot of different reasons, right? I mean, if it's seasonal, that could be a reason, uh, you know, or maybe, um, you know, maybe you just didn't do good product research and you thought you were going to get 800 sales a month, but there's really only 100 because the depth isn't there or the demand. Um, so we've kind of ruled out some of these things. And I think, it, as you can see, Chris and I going through this, we're kind of like ruling things out. Our first step was like, look at product research as if we were going to buy, or if we were going to sell this product. And then what are the numbers? What's the depth? What's the demand? Okay, clearly there's a, no, enough volume here. We could definitely move on to the next step. And then we just kind of work ourselves through it. Um, if that was a problem there, then that might be a decision to make, well, how much more energy do I put into this thing? Do I try to liquidate it and then bail on it and go to the next product? Or is there a way that I can pivot on this thing or you know, add something additional to it to make it more um, desirable? Um, does that make sense, Chris? It does indeed. Okay, cool. So, all right, we're going to wrap this up. That was a lot of great, I think, great content because we're diving through this thing live. Like, we're digging in to the listing, and hopefully, you've got value from this, even if you are, again, thinking to yourself, well, my images are awesome. Well, there's other parts of it that we just went through that might not be awesome. That could be tweaked, especially messaging. I think as far as like the, you know, the targeting on whoever you're targeting, you got to make sure that that's aligned or everything else doesn't, uh, doesn't work. All right. So, um, Chris, is there anything you want to wrap up with before we officially wrap up this, uh, hot seat session? Yeah. And I, it's, it's one thing that I think a lot of people get stuck on and, and I went on a tear about this recently on uh, a Facebook live that we did, but we can't get attached to our own listings. Um, and it, it, it's one of those things. And I don't think Alex suffers from this because he raised his hand and asked for help. But it's something that I see a lot, uh, not just in the Amazon community, Scott, but just in e-commerce in general, right? We really like our stuff and we get attached to our products and we get attached to, you know, kind of our first draft of things. And something that we all need to, to remember is that testing against our assumptions is always going to result in a better end result. And so by doing some small tweaks, even if we are selling what we think we should be selling a day, right? Even if we're not in Alex's situation, making some of these tweaks, revisiting our listing to make sure that we're doing all the things, Scott, that you and I just talked about can lead us to some other ideas that we may be able to, to test against our current assumptions and increase the number of sales that we're getting. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes, it makes total sense. And, uh, you know, I, I just pulled up his screenshot that he sent as well as the sales that he's generated. And, um, this is for just about two and a half weeks that he gave me the screenshot and he's had 47 sales, you know, he's, you know, generated $1,362 and 53 cents. Um, you know, and he's selling it for 20, 28 to $29. So it's, you know, Again, you're learning through this process, and I want to really, really stress that, that, you know, the education that Alex is getting through this process, to me, is, like, awesome, because you are, you're never going to get this unless you start going through this process. Now, maybe you don't go with 1,000 units to get this education. Maybe you go with 250. You know, maybe you go with 300. Uh, there's ways that you can, you know, minimize the amount of risk and still get the education and who knows, maybe land a product that could do steady 
steady sales. Um, I think Alex can get this thing going. I think he can get to where he's selling probably 10 a day. I, I do. Um, it might be a price thing too. He might be able to adjust his price a little bit. Maybe he could, you know, again, play around with the price. Once you get to that point now where you're testing, you got everything else kind of dialed in. You might then want to play with the price. Maybe you start, you know, playing around with maybe $3 less and then you do a split test on that. So there's a whole bunch of other things you can do. Um, we didn't even really mention pricing, um, but I think there's other things that need to be done before we even talk about the pricing, um, before we even you know entertain that. Um, I just Scott, wanted to share. One, yeah, go ahead. One last thing, because yeah. we can never actually finish uh, without saying one last thing at least five times. Yes, and it was something you and I touched on briefly. And Alex, something you may want to look at, you have two different listings here. Uh, and honestly, it should be a parent child type of a situation. Your product lends itself to a variation and just, just quickly looking at your category, you should be able to do that. Um, I, one other suggestion that I would have for him is to combine those into a, a single listing that has the variations on it. That may help as well in, increase those conversions, um, just a little bit because he is, he is working with different colors and that tends to work. You also get to combine those reviews then. So people get a little bit of a better idea of what they're, uh, what they're looking at. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Um, uh, I, I did want to share though, um, Alex, uh, when I had responded back to him, I said, Hey, do you mind if Chris and I jump on and do a hot seat about this? And, uh, he, um, he messaged me back and, uh, he said, um, where was it here? He says, you, so you want me to be an example of how not to do Amazon business question mark, LOL. He says, sure. I don't mind. Let's do this. And, um, I just want to say, Alex, you know, this is not about how not to do business, how to learn how to do business. And I want anyone else else out there that's thinking to themselves, wow, I screwed up on this one. You know what? Screw ups are your best lesson, uh, you know, because you're going to learn through this process. And, you know, the biggest thing is, is, you know, you kind of reached out for help, whether it's through us, cause we can't do this for everyone. I mean, I have a lot of people that, that request these, um, but we do have the Facebook group, right? You know, the, and it doesn't mean you have to give your listing away. You can just talk about like numbers or, or, you know, maybe about your pay-per-click or, I mean, we have a whole group now, um, devoted to just, uh, sponsored product ads. Um, so, you know, there's a whole bunch of different resources that we're making available to you inside the TAS community. Um, that can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash F is in Frank, B is in boy for the, the TAS community and, um, and, you know, help each other over there and, and share what you're doing. And, uh, I'm telling you, like there's there's a, a huge amount of value in in helping each other and being able to uh, to kind of walk through the process like we just did. Sometimes it's just walking through the process or walking through where you are and kind of dissecting each part, each element of your listing or the process that you're running currently right now. So. Um, I just wanted to say, Alex, you know, you're, you're doing a great job because you're up there, you're launched and you're trying to figure it out. That's the key. Um, and anyone else that's listening, um, don't get down on yourself, you know, stay, stay, uh, stay positive about it because you're, you're actually learning through this process. Understand that. Yes, you might not be making, you know, the ton of money on it right now, but, uh, if you stick with it, you know, you have a better chance of quitting than, than quitting. I mean, the, the people that give up are the ones that aren't going to be able to, to succeed. So I just want to stress that. So, um, Chris, I think that's going to wrap up this hot seat. This was awesome as usual. I did want to remind anyone the show notes for this episode. If you want to download them, the transcripts, uh, the notes, any links that we mentioned can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 347. 
And I did want to remind you guys about our live workshop that we're going to be doing, depending on when you listen to this. Um, if you wanted to spend an entire day with us talking about this Amazon business stuff, and the one that we're up, that we're doing here in the future is going to be more about how to build your own launch list, and we're actually going to build it with you, um, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash live, and you can get all of the information on any upcoming live event that we're doing. We're also doing an unofficial meetup in North Carolina the day before the live event, so that's totally free if you wanted to come down, shake hands, and uh, just meet each other in person. We're going to be doing that in North Carolina, and all the details will be found on that page as well. So, Chris, I think that's going to wrap it up, man. Are we cool? Let's wrap it up. All right, let's do it. Guys, remember, I'm here for you, I believe in you, and I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Chris is going to do it with me on the count of three. On the count of three. Are you ready, Chris? Are you ready for this? All right. One, two, three. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, guys, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. Um, and my wife and I just talked about that the other day on our walk. We were like, wow, can you can you imagine like back when, well, gosh, it's been not even a year, and we're like, imagine, that doesn't even make sense, imagine, Chris. Why am I saying imagine? <laughs> I think we got to start that again, Chris. I think we got to start this again. All right, let's do it again. You ready? Let's do it. Maybe we'll use that as an outtake. All right, here we go. I don't even know where my thoughts are today. All right, here we go.